Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Thursday edition of the program. Yes, we've got IU basketball to talk about. Wonderful, unbelievable almost first half performance for the Hoosiers last night in Madison, Wisconsin. I was on the road listening to Don Fisher's call uh, here on the Big X and I said, are you you kidding me? This is the score. Indiana's playing this good. And Trace Jackson had that few points in the first half with Indiana playing as good as they did. Really unbelievable basketball. And then, of course, as the second half began to unfold, you know that Indiana and really any Big Ten team isn't going to keep that up on the road. But slowly and surely, Wisconsin uh, found their way back into the game. And obviously, the way that one ends with the momentum you had early on in the game, uh, definitely a heartbreaking loss. Indiana oh so close to a 2-0 and start in the Big Ten Conference, which just would have been unbelievable uh, to think about for Mike Woodson in his first year, the momentum, the early wins, how that could help uh, down the stretch as this team fights for its NCAA eligibility when we get to the middle part of February and beyond. But uh, obviously there's lots of frustration today in how that game came to a close and just absolutely how poorly that IU played in the second half And I think the key stat, and I'll pull it up here when we have Alex later in the hour, but uh, Trace Jackson Davis, he had uh, very few shots in the second half and really very few touches if you go back and think about each possession and break it down, especially in the second half. And really throughout the course of the game, he just didn't seem to get the ball as much. Part of that could be credited possibly to Wisconsin defense, but uh, obviously a frustrating result last night, the way it ended the second half. However... I do want to say, and I went back and watched the first half last night after the game, uh, there were some really good things to uh, think about, talk about, maybe for the future in the first half of that Wisconsin game. For that team to open up the game the way they did on the road and to do so with really out uh, just unbelievable output from Trace Jackson Davis in a point column in that half, I think there were some positives from the game, even though it didn't end that way. So lots to talk about with IU basketball today. Let's jump into the show lineup for this Thursday show. It's hard to believe we're almost next week. We'll be in the middle of December. We're we're days away from Christmas. Uh, holiday basketball coming up. Big Ten Conference basketball coming up here full time at the first of the year. College football bowl games coming up. Just really hard to believe how quickly we are moving through uh, the year. We'll be in 2022 before you know it. The show lineup for today, uh, segment one, we've got Greg Mengeld of Hoosier Hills Hoops. Uh, Greg is doing all sorts of coverage on local high school hoops and basketball 
And we've got lots to talk about. We're going to start here in a few moments with the big new Albany Floyd Central game coming up on Friday. We'll talk some of the other Friday matchups. We'll look back at the week that's been so far. Uh, there were some big performances last week and just plenty to get to with Greg when he joins us uh, each Thursday to kick off our show. Later in the hour, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will be with us. Uh, we'll talk IU basketball we will recap what went well, really well, in the first half for IU, and we'll recap what went really bad for IU in the second half last night. So make sure you stick around for that conversation with Alex coming up a little bit later in the hour today. That's the lineup uh, brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Okay, let's uh, remind you, the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. I know, without a shadow of a doubt, you've got lots of opinions on last night's game. Uh, maybe you've got a couple good things, but probably a lot of negatives from the second half last night. Uh, you can get those off your chest by texting us at 502-414-1450. Send in your questions for Alex on IU. Don't forget, we'll talk local sports on the text line as well. Maybe you're headed to a game this week. Maybe you've got a prediction on the New Albany Floyd Central game. Whatever it may be, shoot us a text, and we'll do our best to work it into our, our Thursday program today. And also, don't forget to check out the uh, Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app uh, you can download it for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Of course, our text line to bring you more close to the show interaction uh, within this show brought to you by Thornton's. They've got all sorts of area locations and really a great stop for you each day. All right, let's get to the phone line. Our first guest joining us today, Greg Mingelt. He's the writer for HoosierHillsHoops.com. And, Greg, you're doing all sorts of good work covering uh, the great storylines of high school basketball this season, both on the girls' and the boys' side, and even tracking some of the former uh, players in our area that are now having standout college uh, careers and, of course, in the case of Romeo Langford, having a, a, a solid NBA season. And that's where I want to start with you today. Not a lot of Romeo talk these last few weeks with college basketball heating up and high school hoops getting underway. But, Greg, Romeo is back. He had a little bit of a ding, a little bit of an injury, missed a game or two for the Celtics, but had five points last night uh, in a loss for the Celtics playing the Clippers out in L.A. And he seems to be having a season that is kind of working himself into a role for the Celtics team. Yeah, I don't think that he's had a single uh, – and thanks for having me, Matt, and uh, probably a good idea to uh, change the subject from IU basketball for a few minutes here <laughs> this morning. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's played consistently. I think we talked about this last week. Other than the uh, ankle injury here, um, hasn't had a uh, DNP coach's decision, did not play coach's decision this year. Um, so yeah, things are looking positive, uh, definitely for his career that, you know, the key for him has been, uh, getting the experience, getting the playing time, getting the strength that it takes to be an everyday, um, NBA player that most guys don't have when they're 19 and 20 years old. And, and obviously it's taken him some time to get there, but you know, the fact that, uh, they've got a new coach there and he's getting consistent minutes every night, uh, almost no matter what, um, that's a good sign for Romeo's career. And I think also another thing helping in Romeo's uh, opportunity to get some chances, they've had some injuries, but also uh, I think, what are they, like 10th right now in the Eastern Conference? I think they have a 13-13 and record 
So currently sitting at 500, it's a Celtics team that uh, maybe isn't what a lot of people thought they would be as far as wins early in the year. Well, they really haven't had a full team. Um, you know, it, it seems to be the story with half of the NBA teams right now is uh, injuries and guys missing games and COVID. And, you know, and of course, the Celtics haven't had a, an opportunity to have everybody uh, together a lot this year. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in the standings there. Usually 11 and 11 will have you in the top seven, top six. Um, but, man, you, th- there are maybe four bad teams in the NBA this year. You have to be ready to play every night. Yeah, no question. Talking with Greg Mengelt, local basketball. He covers the scene for HoosierHillsHoops.com. And we're going to get to high school stuff, but I think the last couple weeks we've had you on, I've kind of asked you about a standout uh, college player from the area. We've got so many playing D1, D2, NAI, and, and playing very key roles for their team. And it's amazing to me, uh, some of them are freshmen and have already found key roles for their team. And so one player I wanted to bring up specifically today was Jake Hydebreeder, a Floyd Central graduate. Uh, he's playing really well and getting lots of opportunities for Air Force, uh, who seems to be up and down so far this season. But I guess to no surprise for all of us that saw him play for the Highlanders in the green and gold, saw what he did to help change that program, uh, saw the shooter and the, the overall player really that he is or was there, uh, no surprise it should be to us that he's finding time and a role and uh, scoring big numbers, it seems, almost game in and game out for the Air Force team. Yeah, and they've, they've, uh, I don't think there was a lot expected of Air Force this year, but they're 7-2 and two against not a great schedule, but a uh, tough loss last night, but uh, specifically on Hybrider to go into a Mountain West Conference team as a freshman and average 8.4 points, you know, two rebounds and assist a game. Last night played 38 minutes um, out of 40 in a, in a loss against at Montana. Uh, that's a good sign for a freshman that he's uh, he's in there for the long haul and um, going to be a contribute contributor to that program for four years. And uh, if you look at the guys who contribute most nights to them, their best player obviously uh, is is a senior, but the rest of their team are all freshmen and sophomores. So I think Air Force and Hydebreeder might have uh, you know some years ahead of them where they're competitive in the Mountain West Conference. Greg, we're going to get into some high school basketball. New Albany Floyd Central on Friday night is the big ticket this week. And really, there's, I think, a good slate of games across the weekend. We'll talk about that. But Tuesday's a big day here on this show because we announce a player of the week, boys and girls. We announce a team of the week, boys and girls, and a lot of other weekly awards. And you're writing about all these uh, each Tuesday. We release these normally in the morning. Uh, and I want to start with our boys player of the week, Tucker Biven, who is more known as a baseball standout. He's committed to the University of Louisville, uh, maybe a professional baseball future in his pipeline, but he was the boys player of the week after New Albany. Uh, came back down double digits in the third quarter to beat Evansville Harrison on Friday night and then took Zionsville, who was number two then, now number one in 4A basketball, to overtime uh, before dropping that game at New Albany. Biven was a big part of their success this weekend, a a New Albany team that we're kind of maybe unsure about headed into the year. Maybe there's a little more confidence about them headed into this rivalry game on Friday night uh, with Biven's leadership and others as well. Yeah, I think it's been a pretty good uh, start to the season for them so far. You know, New Albany never wants to be 2-2 two and two after four games, but um, when you look at their schedule, who they've played, and what they've done, it's been a pretty good start. And um, You know, Floyd Central played a couple of games. 
uh, I don't think it's things are clear about either one of those teams or or even maybe even more so Jeffersonville uh, of what they have and uh, what they have going forward and what they'll have at the end of the year. There's still a lot of questions with our local 4A teams. Uh, probably the least is Floyd Central, like you talked about, uh, big and, and athletic and can be overwhelming to a lot of teams. So um, we're going to find out a lot on Friday night. It, you know, honestly, the Hoosier Hills Conference and the Mid-Southern Conference both are going to have huge games on Friday night with uh, North Harrison and Silver Creek. And um, that one probably is uh, could go either way as well. Being at Silver Creek probably helps uh, Silver Creek's chances, but um, those two teams have looked probably about even going into that game as well. Yeah, Greg, I like how you break this stuff down on Tuesdays when you announce all the results of some of these weekly awards you also have a boys performance of the week and I think this is a name we're going to be talking about a lot this year especially with Will Loving's Watts out for now uh, for the Red Devils Razor Moore 33 points as Jeffersonville also had a comeback win on Friday they were down to a solid Evansville North team down in a shootout at the University of Southern Indiana but Razor Moore and his scoring outburst helped reverse the, that early score, and uh, he had the performance of the week at HoosierHillsHoops.com. Yeah, the single-game performance, that, that's the differentiation between player of the week and performance of the week. And both Razor Moore and Biven had similar weeks where they had one big game and one where they kind of uh, played roles in the other game. So, uh, But the performance of the week, 33 points, he basically just took over in the third quarter when they were – when Jeff was behind at halftime, uh, 24 to 16, and they scored 23 points in the third quarter after scoring 16 in the first half behind Moore, uh, when he scored 15 of his 33 in that quarter. So when he just kind of exerted his will, um, that was the difference in the game. And of course, Jeff went on, uh, to beat Harrison and, uh, and win without, like you said, their best player who, um, we honestly haven't gotten any information about how long he's going to be out and, and and why so uh more mysteries like we talked about greg you had a chance to see the red devils uh, up at charlestown on saturday night it wasn't uh, a great performance by them uh walnut hills of cincinnati very good big time six foot seven six foot eight college prospect the high major prospect that's just a sophomore but uh, your early take on this jeffersonville team we we don't know a ton about as you mentioned loving's watts uh, we know about the Friday game, the comeback led by Razor Moore, and then, of course, a tough opponent and a very tough result for the Red Devils on Saturday. But, you know, coming into the year, really back in the summer, I think by far and away, people thought they would be the headline group locally just because of the seniors that were back, uh, some of the college talent on that team, and the fact that also they've got some young guys coming into the program as well that are kind of unknown what level and how much they're going to contribute uh, at the varsity level this year, at least early on. Uh, but but what what's your take on what Coach Grants at least has to work with this year? Well, it was uh, Saturday night, first of all, it was very ugly. Um, they did not shoot well. Uh, they missed a lot of layups. Uh, and that's probably not a, a representative of what they're going to be. And, of course, missing um, a key contributor like Loving's Watts as well. Uh, but there was one positive thing, and that was the freshmen. They played five freshmen um, on Saturday night, and all of them contributed, played well. I think four of the five scored. Uh, two of them were, um, you know, were really impressive uh, and looked like uh, they're going to be future stars for Jeff. So even in an ugly, ugly 
ugly loss on Saturday night. There were some positives to see out of there. And again, I think the answer is we don't know uh, about Jeff. Um, are they the best team in the area by the end of the year? Uh, there's a very good chance that's the case. But um, is this kind of struggle going to stay with them? Uh, who knows? It's it's hard to tell. And, of course, they go to Seymour on Friday night. And Seymour's actually been pretty good this season. So that'll be an interesting game uh, to see what happens and see who's in uniform when they do play. Greg, I want to circle back around as we continue talking some boys hoops about the new Albany Floyd Central matchup on Friday night. We'll be on the air at 7:10 with our pregame report, play-by-play uh, tip-off expected right around 7:30. We're hoping for a full house, a close to full house at Floyd Central. Tickets are for sale today and tomorrow from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. in the main office at Floyd Central High School. Tickets are six bucks. Uh, this is one of the traditional rivalries in our area. Uh, with what we know, and there's not a lot about the Highlanders. I'm not sure we've seen them near the potential that they uh, have, the ceiling they have that they could get to. But New Albany coming off a pretty solid weekend. Uh, you do a great job breaking down the games. You have capsules each day of the night's activities and uh, some different uh, things you use to maybe make predictions and uh, news and notes that you need to know. As you start to put your preview for this New Albany-Floyd rivalry game together, uh, on Friday night, what uh, what are your thoughts on things? You know, as uh, as we said in the uh, power poll this week, where uh, Floyd Central moved from number four to number one, that we might look back at at uh, Hoosier Hills Hoops rating them number four to start the season and laugh about that later in the year because they might be that good. Uh, but then again, so might Jeff and New Albany and Silver Creek. I think it's uh, and North Harrison, uh, who and we're going to have to start putting Scottsburg and Providence in that conversation as well. Um, I think there's just a lot we still have to learn. Um, I think those teams are all about even, you know, the, those top four teams are all pretty even. And, uh, you know, Silver Creek lost at Columbus North, but there's no shame in losing at Columbus North. That's always a tough place to play. And, and we think that they have a pretty good team there at North as well. So um, I think it looks like on paper that Floyd Central is better than New Albany. But at this point, I, I wouldn't um, – count on anything as far as those rivalry games go all right greg mingelt hoosier hills hoops my guest greg uh great coverage keep up the great work we'll talk with you again next thursday i think we've got a defining weekend or two coming up in high school sports before we get to the holiday hoop season which is also fun as well and uh, we'll talk with you again very soon thanks matt all right, Greg with us on Thursdays to talk local sports, specifically basketball, during this crazy time of year. Don't forget, send in your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Got a couple comments on the game last night. We'll read them when we come back with Alex. Uh, one of them's uh, already ready to blame Mike Woodson for this uh, loss. Do you agree with that? 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. Lots of IU Wisconsin discussion coming up next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison.
Well, we're back on this Thursday program. You know we're going to talk IU basketball, and Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is my guest. Send in your questions, your comments, your rants, your raves uh, to 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line. And Alex, uh, it was like a tale of two halves, and I thought a headline I read this morning uh, at the InsideTheHall.com website kind of summed up the game. Uh, Indiana's split personality. Uh, I think that's what you could say from half number one to half number two. Can you kind of run us through the uh, myriad of things that went wrong for the Hoosiers in the second half that saw a 22-point lead be erased and obviously Wisconsin extend their streak at the Kohl Center over the IU basketball program? Yeah, I mean, I think before you get to the second half, I think you have to look at the end of the first half where they had that 22-point lead, and then all of a sudden it goes down to 17 just before halftime. Uh, I think a little bit, and I think Mike Woodson mentioned this in his post-game comments, I think giving away the momentum going into the second half, you know, even though Indiana had to feel really good about itself going into the, the locker room, um, up by 17, uh, they, they they made some mistakes late in that first half that I thought kind of set things up for early in the second half. And you knew Wisconsin was going to make a run. And Indiana, you know, their offense really stagnated in the second half. I mean, they didn't get the ball uh, to Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson nearly enough. Xavier Johnson uh, took some shots that were just, completely ill-advised, I thought. I mean, he goes 1-10 from the field in the second half. That's definitely uh, not good. But, you know, when, you, when you're up by that much at halftime, I mean, Indiana really just needed to, to score 25, 26 points in the second half, uh, and they should have won the game. And they only score 17. They don't score the final three minutes of the game. Uh, I thought it was just a complete failure from the coaching staff to the players, uh, everybody. Uh, in the second half of, of finding a way to kind of just build any momentum. It seemed like every time that they uh, had a couple scores, then they had a, a long scoring drought. In many ways, it reminded me what we've seen in the past uh, seasons where, you know, Matt, one thing we always talked about uh, the previous regime was these long scoring droughts. And last night uh, they had too many of those in the second half. So, I don't think you can just pinpoint one issue. Obviously, it wasn't turnovers. They only had nine turnovers for the, the whole game, but Wisconsin defended them at a much, uh, you know, much uh, better in the second half. And, and really, uh, nobody else, uh, nobody on Indiana's roster stepped forward and made any plays. And Miller Cop and Parker Stewart were completely non-existent in the second half. I mean, there's just you know they missed free throws. Uh, it's I'm sure when they look at the film, uh, and, and quite frankly, I don't want to go back and watch it myself because that second half was so brutal, uh, you're going to be able to probably point out 10 to 15 instances where Indiana made uh, a mistake, uh, whether it was defensively or uh, offensively, that you, you look at and say, well, if they would have done that instead of this, and in a couple of those instances, they would have won the game. They just they just didn't, they didn't do it. And, you know, the, I, I think what happens in Wisconsin – uh, is it's a tough place to play anyway, and then once you give that momentum back, it, it just kind of it, it was it was like a like a train wreck that I think a lot of fans saw coming, and uh, it, it ultimately ended in another I think 19 straight now losses for Indiana at the Colt Center. 
Wow. Well, IU uh, basketball, the topic. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, my guest. Alex, um, not enough looks, no question, maybe even touches for Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. Uh, I think fault on that, and Mike Woodson, as you mentioned, addressed that very clearly, I thought, in the post-game press conference, but I think the fault on that has to go to both uh, Xavier Johnson and IU's guards as a whole, uh, but also maybe Coach Woodson as well. Hard to believe with the season that TJD has had uh, and how Race Thompson has really come on in a very solid role and I think been more consistent maybe than what he's ever been in an IU uniform so far. It's hard to believe the two big guys in this defining front court that IU has uh, saw so few touches and opportunities to score the basketball last night. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of it has to be on Trace, too, because he's, I mean, he's hes their best player. He's the most important player. I mean, there was, you know, they were out on court together for 20 minutes, you know, I don't know how many minutes he played the second half. There was timeouts. There was, I mean, if, if, if he really wanted the ball that much, he should have demanded the ball and made it known, like, to get him the ball. And it, it clearly didn't happen uh, enough. And, and Wisconsin, to an extent, I think they saw Parker Stewart hit those threes in the first half, and they were like, well, this guy, we're not letting this guy get any shots because they know he can make threes, so we're not going to let this guy beat us, and we're not going to let Trace uh, get the ball easily and do what he wants because he had some, some really impressive, I thought, offensive moments in the first half. And so they, they, they said, well, we're going to make these other guys beat us. And, and really, I mean, Michael Durr made a couple of really tough shots in the second half, but they were more than willing to let him take those shots. Uh, but – you know, I think they rolled the dice and said, we'll see what happens if, if you know, we let kind of, you know, get Xavier Johnson into this mindset of where he, we're, we're letting him see some opportunities to get shots. And, and he just, he didn't capitalize. And I think that was a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, Jackson Davis has to be a little bit more demonstrative and, and say, you know, get me the ball or Indiana's got to run. Uh, some sets to to maybe get him a little bit more open. You know, even if he's not getting shots, uh, as you mentioned, the touches. I mean, getting the ball in the paint first really is how you open the perimeter for your outside shooting. And I don't think Indiana made a three pointer in the second half after, after they were really uh, effective in that area in the first half. So I mean, it's it's the, the, the when you when you blow a twenty two point lead, Matt. It's not just one thing. It's it's everybody, like I said, from the coaching staff all the way down to the players. I don't think anybody, uh, you look at the second half, I don't really think anybody played well. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Going to go to the Thornton's text line for just a moment, read a couple uh, comments here from listeners. Uh, Texter says, tough IU men's basketball game to swallow last night. TJD, Rob, and Race need to take the reins when a collapse like that happens and stop the momentum from Wisconsin. Everyone knows that IU should never have lost that game. They are still trying to create a winning mindset and need to get more consistent at the point guard spot. Man, it was bummer city. Got to rebound and not let this turn into more losses. Uh, Speaking of the point guard situation, Xavier Johnson last night, uh, pretty good first half, but man, you talk about a tale of two halves for IU overall. Uh, Xavier Johnson, you could say the same thing about his individual performance. He he played well, uh, was strong in the first half, but in the second half, when IU really needed a facilitator, needed him to continue attacking and going to the basket, he he was non-existent. And I think was he one of ten uh, in the final twenty minutes of the game for IU last night? Yeah, I mean, and and he. You know, I think he has his moments too where he doesn't keep his emotions in check. I mean, there was a couple instances 
where there was some back and forth between IU and Wisconsin players. And, and I think he largely avoided that in the first half. But, you know, the foul situation again, I think he picked up his third foul somewhat early in the, in the second half and then didn't come back in again. And he, he sat for a significant amount of time. Uh, this has been a reoccurring theme now where he's picking up these fouls and making himself unavailable. So no, no matter how good of a player he is, if he can't stay on the floor, that excuse me, Matt, that's uh, obviously a, a problem uh, for Indiana uh, moving forward, that he's got to be able to clean that up. But more than anything else, I mean, I think he's he's had too much experience uh, at this level. I mean, he played three years in the ACC. Some of the shots that he took uh, in the in the later stages of the game, uh, maybe you could argue a couple of them were decent, but he forced things and he he's shouldn't be the first option offensively. There should be the ball should be going. Uh, you know, if it's a late shot clock situation uh, and he's got to make something happen, he's good in that situation. But the offense shouldn't be him trying to create from the perimeter and, and just kind of uh, make something happen. Uh, by himself and I think a lot of if you go back and watch a lot of the late possessions in the game that's exactly what was happening too much standing around not enough guys moving and the end result was uh when that happens you got a guy forcing a shot up late in the shot clock and you're usually not going to get an offensive rebound especially when nobody's moving Alex Bozich inside the hall my guess we're breaking down IU's dismal second half performance last night ultimately a loss for this team Alex should here's a question for you as well should IU fans have a little bit of glimmer of hope about how well IU played in the first half on the road. I mean, we know the Cole Center. We know the history there. We know generally this IU team playing on the road and how tough it is in the Big Ten to play on the road. If they can do it for a half and, and have that much dominance over a very solid Wisconsin team, are there some positives from last night's game, or is it all about how you finish? No, I mean, I think there's positives from the first half, but I think there's been positives in other games. Too. the St. John's game they played well in the first half and then they couldn't sustain it for a full half there's been other games where they've played poorly in the first half uh, the Syracuse game and then in the second half uh, played much better uh, you know you can be a good to decent team when you play that way with the amount of talent Indiana has if you want to be considered a top half Big Ten team or a team that's a lock to make the tournament you have to be able to consistently play that way for 30 to 35 minutes, if not more, against really good competition because the margin for error is is very slim to begin with playing on the road against a ranked team. So uh, as good as the first half was, all Indiana really had to do was have an average to above average second half and they win the game probably pretty comfortably. But, you know, everything went away uh, well that they did in the first half and the second half. So, uh, I, I mean, there's definitely reason to be, uh, I think, optimistic because you look at where this team is in its development. They've only now played, I think, nine games, nine regular season games under Mike Woodson. They had one closed scrimmage, and they had the two scrimmages in the Bahamas. So 12 games they've played together as a team. Uh, there's still a lot of learning going on. There's still a lot of new pieces that are uh, kind of playing together for the first time, but you know, now we're a couple games in the conference play. There's, you know, a bit of lull, a bit of a lull in the schedule here, where you've got I think three of your next four are against you know low major competition. I think they've got, you know, Mary Mac, and then they've got uh, Notre Dame, 
Northern Kentucky, and then there's there's one other game to, to close out December that I know is against a, you know, a mid to low major team. So they have a, an opportunity here to work on things. But I think the thing they need to work on is consistent. Uh, I don't even want to call it effort because I don't think it was that they didn't play hard, but consistency in terms of their uh, mental engagement and, and their execution within a game. Because uh, I, I did what I didn't see last night was you know a team that quit, but I saw a team that when they, when they got hit a couple of times, uh, they were back on their heels and they weren't, you know, delivering uh, a counter punch and they weren't, you know, having a, an adequate response. And when you score 42 in the first half and then you score 17 in the second half, obviously something is wrong there. I think with just the, I don't want to even say game plan, but you've got to have better leadership on the court and you've got to have guys, uh, kind of what that texter mentioned earlier. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, you got to have leaders on the court who, when momentum starts to slip away, either call a timeout or you have somebody on the floor that can be a calming presence and go get you a bucket or get you a stop that so you can stop kind of the, the snowball effect from happening. And IU just didn't have that. So right now, I think what's pulling them back from being a much better team is, uh, the inability uh, to make plays uh, when it when it really matters most. I mean, we saw it in Syracuse they came all the way back, but you know they had opportunity in overtime to win the game at the end of overtime. Don't even get a shot off. Last night, you know, they have a lead in, in the final you know minutes really, and then they don't score for the final three, and uh, you know they they go away with a five point loss in a game that really they they never never should have put themselves in that position after the start they had. We've got a few other texts to get to. I'll, I'll read some of your comments here at the end of this segment. But uh, Texter asked this, and this was on my list for you as well, Alex, with, uh, and this is me here, with, with the struggles at times from Xavier Johnson, especially the second half, and we know Rob Fennessy up and down. Um, the Texter writes this, why not play Lander more? I think Mike Woodson even had some comments last night uh, was asked about that, and he said, you know, that he did not consider playing him uh, in that second half last night. What's going on with Christian Lander, and why not play him more? Has he shown in the Syracuse game and the other opportunities had in those real meaningful parts of games when he's gotten in that he's just not ready for it? Or uh, what do you think there? Yeah, I'm not positive on that because he barely played in the Syracuse game until he actually had to be put into the game because Johnson and Tennessee had both fouled out by that point. Uh, and he did some, some good things. And, but now the last two games, he hasn't played at all. I don't know if there, I don't know if he's, uh, if there's something going on there with injury wise that we don't know about that hasn't been talked about, but, but you're right. I mean, Woodson said there was no consideration of putting Lander in the game last night. So that tells me that based on what they see in practice and what they see in the games, that they don't think he gives them, the best chance to win of the point guards they have. And, you know, I would agree with, with that for the most part with, uh, with Johnson, with the exception of, you know, it almost kind of feels like with Johnson, we're kind of back in like a situation where if you remember Troy Williams that played for Indiana, there was always that joke of good Troy versus bad Troy. And, you know, with Xavier Johnson, it feels like he can be like a really good player at times. It looks like the best player on the court. And then at other times in the second half last night, he just looked like, he was out of control at times and made some, some really bad decisions. But going back to Lander, uh, I, I get the frustration from fans and really want to see more of him. I don't necessarily know if there's something going on behind the scenes or if there's a reason that he hasn't played at all the last two games. But 
uh, we'll see moving forward. Right now, it doesn't seem like he's uh, really uh, in the, in, you know, even kind of before the, uh, you know, fantasy, right before he came back, someone I think asked uh, Mike Woodson about the rotation and the point guard situation. He said that fantasy would reign the backup based on his experience. So to me, it seems like Landers the clear third option right now, point guard. Yeah, no question. Alex Bozich inside the hall. One other thing I think we have to bring up, uh, the end of the ball game especially, it was Hepburn uh, at the free throw line for Wisconsin. He's uh, basically uh, a dead-on free throw shooter. He hit two, then Xavier Johnson had a chance at a one-and-one. He he missed them, and then Hepburn went back to the line and made two more, which basically put the game uh, in the win column for Wisconsin. Free throws, free throws, free throws continue to be an issue for this IU team. Yeah, it hasn't been good. I mean, that's, this is kind of what going back to what I'm talking about in terms of the execution for a longer sustained period of time. I mean, last night they only turned it over nine times, I think, and they shot a relatively good percentage, obviously in the first half, but then not being able to sustain that in the second half on top of that, not being able to make free throws, it's, it's a problem and you're not going to, you know, I don't care what team you are, you know, unless you're just so supremely talented that you can just beat teams by showing up with, uh, and just overpowering them with your talent or you shoot the ball ridiculously well from the perimeter. If you can't make free throws down the stretch when you need absolutely have to make them in a tight game like that, you're, it's going to cost you a game. And that's exactly kind of what happened last night. I don't think it was a lot of attempts, but I think they were something like, I don't have a box score right in front of me, Matt, but I think it was something like 6 to 13 from the free throw line. I know they were below 50%. Um, so that's 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 not going to get the job done, uh, particularly uh, on the road against a good team like Wisconsin. You can get away with, with that at home against Nebraska. You can get away with that against you know teams that are uh, you're playing at home that are less talented. But when you go on the road in the Big Ten, you have to execute for, you know, like I said, 30, 35 minutes a game minimum. And Indiana really played 20. You know, I, I wouldn't even give them 20 great minutes of basketball because the end of the half, uh, the first half, as I mentioned earlier, they kind of made some mistakes. So, I mean, they played a really solid half of basketball, really good first half, uh, had a, a lull at the first, and then basically didn't show up at the second. And they got beat as a result of it. And free throws, missing free throws is a part of that. Alex Bozich, my guest. Alex, um, where does IU go from here? Obviously, Big Ten play doesn't pick back up until the first of the year, but there are some interesting non-conference matchups ahead, a mix of some games IU should easily win and have a chance to continue to experiment and maybe get better, but then also uh, some challenge games as well, like that Notre Dame matchup. Yeah, I mean, they got Merrimack Sunday. That's a game you'd expect them to win, but they can't just show – like I said, they – the time for just being able to show up and, and beat people is, is quickly coming to an end. I mean, they they got Mary Mack, Northern Kentucky, UNC Asheville this month. They got Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't really look that great. That's a game they absolutely need to win. Uh, their non-conference resume uh, is, is definitely not strong at this point. I mean, they have the St. John's win, um, but losing on the road at Syracuse, that was an opportunity missed. And so Notre Dame's really their last chance for a, a non-conference win that will be decent. And then, as you mentioned, they, they have uh, that start to Big Ten play uh, after the new year. I mean, they go to Penn State, I think, to open things up. That's a place where a Big Ten team's already shown they can go on the road and win. I mean, Ohio State won there. So that's 
going to be another opportunity, and then they're going to come home and play a couple home games. So they, I think they have a chance to get some momentum built up here. But, uh, you know, I would caution against hitting the panic button because uh, this game, uh, in many ways, like going into it, I, I didn't. Uh, I know fans don't want to hear this because they had the opportunity to win. It wasn't a game going in that I thought Indiana was going to win. I think the way that they lost it kind of makes it uh, right for over-exaggeration and and over-analyzing it. But I think they have to really just kind of put this behind them and move forward and focus on these next four non-conference games. They got to get better at, at, at things like making free throws. They got to continue to, turn it over nine times a game rather than 16 or 20 times a game. They've got to make sure that they don't have, you know, empty sections of the game where they're just basically uh, inept on, on offense and they don't have their defense to fall back on. Those are kind of the mental lapses that are happening right now that they just aren't going to afford to be able to have because if, if they can't sustain that high level of play for a longer period, what's going to happen is they're going to beat the teams that they should beat at home they're probably going to lose some home games and then they're going to put a ton of pressure on themselves to be able to go on the road and win four or five big 10 road games. And that's just in this league, it's hard to do. We just saw how hard it was last night to win uh, on the road in the big 10. Their schedule is a little bit favorable and that they have some road trips where you look at, you know, they play Penn state on the road. They play Nebraska, Maryland, uh, Minnesota on the road. Those are games that you're all going to look at and say, well, they're winnable, but, They've got to clean up this, these little things that I think are really adding up. I mean, they're, they're a couple of, of, of really good plays away from beating Syracuse and beating Wisconsin, but the reality is they're not. And so they, they can't dwell on this, but they have to be uh, open to, to what Woodson's telling them. Uh, you know, I, I, what I liked last night after the game, if you watch the post-game press conferences, Woodson owned everything. I don't know who's – who had Xavier Johnson come out and talk to the team, talk to the media. But I liked that whoever's decision that was, that he was accountable and, and answered questions and, and kind of put the, the blame of the second half on himself. So I think those are positive things. Mike Woodson said he's not going to let the locker room, uh, you know, get down on itself. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a coach at the highest level and he, he realizes it's a long season, obviously not as long of a season as, as it is in the NBA, but uh, they just have to, to clean up these little uh, – these lulls that they're having within games and clean up some of the mental stuff, and I think they'll, they'll continue to get better as a team. And I still really think this this group has a great chance to make the tournament. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely disappointing moments last night. Uh, a texter writes in, devastating loss. I think I speak for all IU fans when I say that. I agree, but uh, I, I've, I've seen some good things, and I've seen some very interesting things in the way that um, – the way that Trace Jackson Davis is playing, obviously, uh, and other other parts of the team, I think there's no reason to, as you said, hit the panic button or give up just yet. I think this Indiana team has a lot more in store. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Lots of great coverage of the Hoosiers there. Uh, lots of rundowns, recaps from different angles from last night's loss at Wisconsin. Alex, as always, thank you for being with us today. All right. Thank you, Matt. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, a couple more IU basketball notes to get to and what in the world is going on at the University of Louisville. I just opened my Twitter feed a moment ago, and obviously we expect the AD to go to Florida State. I'm not sure that's been made official yet, but the path has been clear. But now the president, after all this, is leaving and going to Penn State. So 
We'll mention that. I have no idea what's going on in the city of Louisville at UofL right now, but unbelievable stuff. Stay with us. A final segment ahead, the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Final segment. It's going to be a quick one here. Uh, I've got some text to get to that we couldn't fit in. Thank you so much for uh, your text during our segment with Alex. And a reminder, that text line is is always open. Texter writes, uh, yes, Woody's a little to blame, but TJD needs to be more aggressive and demand the ball. Xavier Johnson played extremely, and I mean extremely bad down the stretch. That was a total team loss. Wisconsin would have been blown out by a good team. IU gave that game away, and he said Woody needs to make them watch Hoosiers or Rocky, LOL. So thank you, uh, Texter, for the message. Also, another Texter said Lander must play because Johnson complains about nearly every call and Tennessee is terribly inconsistent. That may be uh, the best text that we've had. I agree spot on with that. You know, uh, Z- Johnson just constantly, his body language toward, towards officials, uh, just just not good. couple other things that have come in. This is a good question. I wish I had seen this in time for Alex. Is Anthony Leal capable of running the point? Not the most athletic, but high IQ. Resembles Coverdale back in the day, just smart. Seems he could handle it and make the right plays, uh, plus he can shoot. So uh, some great text today. Thank you so much for sending those in. And, uh, again, a reminder, whether we're talking IU basketball, football, local sports, whatever it may be, uh, we'd love to have your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. A couple other notes. IU basketball, according to Jeff Rabjohns, and I find this very interesting, is making a trip to Finland. This will be a second trip to Finland to see a point guard named Myro Little. Uh, so IU now very interested in him, it seems. Dane Fife uh, going back to Finland, according to his father, this weekend for a recruiting visit uh, in the middle of the season for IU, uh, one of its main assistant coaches, to, to leave the team for a few days of practice. I'm sure it'll be a pretty quick turnaround. But to make that kind of trip obviously explains to me that IU is interested in Little and thinks they have a legitimate end with him and wants to maybe close the deal and also recognizes that they need to bring in uh, a point guard. Little, I guess if you look at it from a high school class situation here in the States, he would be considered a 2023 prospect. I've read that he's six foot four, 185 pounds, and get ready for this. He has a six foot eight wingspan, uh, so there you go. And it sounds like they're trying to get uh, him on campus over here in Bloomington as well. What's going on at Louisville? Vince Tyrade appears after a meeting yesterday from the U of L board is headed to Florida State. Maybe an announcement coming on that soon. But the shocker today is Neely Bendapudi, the president of U of L. After all of this, announces she's headed to Penn State. And according to sources, Tyrade and no one else knew it before he made his decision or his move. 
crazy times. We'll be back with you Friday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.